In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. I'm Nathan. Andrew. Andrew's here. We don't. Uh, we only talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll come. Well, we kind of had Matt do like, he was almost like a, a host of the show where it's like we kind of, whenever we hit a spot, you maybe like have a question that you'd, you'd have for, about these shows. Or, or maybe you've seen these shows. Who knows? So, what we do on the shows, we, uh, or at least this season, we are watching network television, which me and Nathan generally don't watch because we don't have time. We are watching uh, 2014's NCIS New Orleans, 2008's The Mentalist, and 1984's Miami Vice. Oh yeah. So for the, and we start as always. We start the first show NCIS New Orleans. We have season one, episode six, Master of Horror. Original air date October 28th, 2014. CBS Tuesday. With New Orleans decorated for Halloween, the NCIS team investigates the murder of a naval staff judge advocate. Found in a cemetery dressed in a Victorian costume with vampiric puncture wounds on her neck. Meanwhile, the team debates what Halloween night activity and costume would be best. Uh, showrunner Gary Glasberg, written by Gary Glasberg and Scott Shapiro, directed by Terrence O'Hara. And this this episode is uh, one of those penultimate episodes because uh, Pride's wife shows up, <laughs> who we've heard about for six episodes. And, yeah. she, and she shows up to, you know, as a, you know, remarkably level-headed, uh, you, you know, you never, never knew what to expect, but yeah, she's like even all about his work and seems sympathetic to what he's doing, but yet their marriage is still on the rocks. The job still gets in the way of their marriage somehow. Yep. Yeah. She, she has an interesting exactly take on that at the end of the show, but yeah, we'll talk about that. Go ahead. This is the Halloween episode. The, the lady, as she is dying, says the devil did this. <laughs> Apparently, New Orleans has its own Halloween. They were mentioned a bunch of stuff. I have no idea if it's real. LaSalle says something like, we don't have Halloween, we have Halloween. No idea if that's real or if that's something uh, New Orleans tell tourists, and then they carry it on to the world, and it's just a lie that's perpetuated to tourists. Um <laughs> Although it seems regularly in every episode, whether it's a holiday or not, somebody's in costume and there's bands playing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's New Orleans. Uh, so I have here, our Wade watch has ended. Uh, Wade is no longer sitting on her crime case over the body anymore. It's several episodes. She is no longer doing that. So no idea what that was about. But yeah, we have a, a judge advocate. Or actually, it's just a judge, I think. Yeah. Um, I believe of Judge Advocate General is like the lawyer, and then but here's just a judge in the NCIS, and yeah, she is dead on a gravestone with some puncture marks on her neck. And then later we find out a kidney missing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was ready for this to be like for the because they always have the thing where um, when you the initial murder seems to have broad implications to like and uh, like international espionage or. 
uh, deep-seated revenge plots. And then here we're going to throw in a little, like, you know, paranormal. Uh, like, could it be paranormal? Like, of course it's not. But, like, we're going to start there because we have no idea what's going on. Yeah, we're going to have one they of, fall- you know, a, a, a creepy opening sequence in one of those above-ground graveyards that are all over New Orleans with a bunch of candles burning. And it's like, yeah, this is just take full advantage of the scenery because you don't see that <laughs> well, anywhere well, else. Well, well, two partygoers are presumably going to go have sex in a graveyard yeah, or something. something like that. <laughs> That's what you do in a graveyard. Yeah. Well, New Orleans, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the assumption of New Orleans is. Just have sex in a graveyard or just get robbed. Or have some cool food and watch a brass band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they refer to the 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 uh, the people that discover the body as Skeletor and Catwoman. Oh, yeah, we have Councilman. I have here Councilman O'Reilly, but it's Councilman Hamilton. Uh, he's he's once again brought up as a suspect. Oh, okay. Um, but he ends. But he, he's not. He doesn't have anything to do with it. But it's just a check in. It's like, oh, this is our series long villain. But uh, and this is our arc yeah, villain. Yeah, yeah. But here he doesn't really have anything to do with it other than that, like that the party I was attending. They end up at a warehouse and they find a they find a body in a refrigerator, which is. Just, uh, which in our next episode, there's also a body in a refrigerator. So yeah, <laughs> and these uh, these are uh, these series are eight years apart, but they, they have they just got to have a body in a refrigerator. Yep. Well, I mean, to be fair, there's only so many places you can put bodies. Yeah, yeah. Do they find? A, is this also the same episode where they find the body in like the horse barn? No, that's the next that, one. That's the next. Okay. Yeah, the next one has a much higher kill count. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, again, this time the there is a um, kidneys removed. I think it's both of them. No, one of them. Uh, oh, just one of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, what? What was it like? There was like a there was one body part taken from the lady and put in this guy that they found. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was. But yeah, that, was well, no, they put the kidney in the guy. Oh, okay. So yeah. he had three kidneys, and they're like, huh? <laughs> yeah, okay, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. done with surgical skill it was like if we did it you know it was just like yeah. oh we generally know anatomy and these bodies are dead so just shoot a kidney in there you know <laughs> i was kind of like okay with this episode until it became a multiple personality yeah. thing and then i was i was immediately out um because i was i'm okay like you know if you want to have multiple personalities like do that in your paranormal or science fiction show fine whatever and here, I want I want them to approach the paranormal, but not get there because supposedly this is all based in reality. And at this point, like it's 2014, we all know. Well, maybe we all don't know, but like, whatever psychological council has basically debunked multiple personality syndrome is not being true, and it's just a a, a fabrication. I mean, people create identities for themselves but as to like which identity is brought forth like that's completely in their control it's not something random it's it's all it's all a defense mechanism but it's not a true thing and here they have like a doctor come in and it's like yeah and then all you have to do is antagonize him and then his yeah then hide will come out and it's like oh this is oh this is garbage yeah in 10 <laughs> minutes you can like unlock his personality by standing behind him menacingly and tasking him <laughs> Because the one personality protects the other, and the harsh personality will come out and protect the weak one. It's like, well, this is all horse, <laughs> but it's also you know TV, TV writing. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's very it's a trope. So, but uh, yeah, everybody's got to do it. So, um, don't do they? I did find it interesting that they made the guy's father 
like a hateful person. Yeah. Because didn't he call him like or something? Yeah. Or yeah, because he said something horrible to his son. But it turns out the guy's a complete bastard. He has a weird medical condition, and he wasn't ever guilty. He was just yeah. guilty of being yeah. an. <laughs> yeah, so the judge sentenced him to like a raping a woman, uh, and he got like seven years and kicked out of the military, lost his pension, and all that stuff. And then he gets out, and then uh, and this judge is murdered. And then it turns out that, like, oh, this guy was innocent the whole time, he's a bad person. And it turns out his son did the well, he tortured his son too. Him. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, although, like, I kind of rec- I vaguely recognize this actor, and it's like, where do I know from it? This from, and then I uh, he's been in like tons of things, but the thing I recall him most from is Space Above and Beyond. Yeah, that's what I picked up on. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, I remember <laughs> him, a lot younger version of him. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's like, but they made him so hateful. It was like, well, this is a I obviously a misdirect because this guy, yeah. this guy's like obviously guilty on every level, so it's not going to be him because again, I've now seven hours into <laughs> in CIS New Orleans and it's like okay I know where we're going but yeah then the like the reenactment of uh because the one the judge was killed it was the lady that Frankenstein loved and then the guy was killed and he was like uh supposed to be Frankenstein yeah and then the last lady was was gonna die slowly being walled in like the uh potato what was it called a cask of amaniato or something she was gonna be walled into the wall Oh. The one who accused him of uh, the guy's dad of raping her and got, he got, yeah. Oh, That's yeah, what yeah. that was from. But it's, yeah. Wasn't their strongest episode. Wasn't their <laughs> weakest, but it was like, oh, again, we. Well, to me, to me, it was, well, I thought the beginning, like, I was just so let down in the end. I was like, to me, it's the week. Oh, yeah. I just have a note here that Sebastian sucks. <laughs> I don't like Sebastian. Oh, the, I decided. the goofy uh, coroner's assistant. Yeah, slash yeah. computer expert slash lab tech lab tech yeah who's a conspiracy theorist yeah, but, but that, only only that... the fun kind like aliens and stuff not the like you know deep state <laughs> kind of conspiracy <laughs> theorist or the was the q q people yeah he's not one of those yeah. that was that was after him but no he's your friendly like aliens conspiracy theorist isn't that new orleans like ll cool j and chris o'donnell or whatever that's Los Angeles. Oh, it's Los Angeles. Sorry. <laughs> this is the third NCIS. Okay. With Scott Bakula. <laughs> oh, okay. And the dude from uh, Tokyo or Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. <laughs> and, the, and the guy from Wings, one of the guys from Wings is the uh, the councilman who's like the series bad guy right now. And then I don't think anybody else in the series. Well, uh, CCH Pounder. She is the coroner. Yeah. Okay. She's the one who's not sitting on the crime box that we were referencing <laughs> earlier. Yeah, and every it was like the first four episodes, she is always at the she's when she shows up the crime scene, she's always sitting on like this box that supposedly has her equipment in it and she's just looking at the body. And it was like for four straight episodes she was doing that and now, now she stopped doing that. So we're waiting for an explanation, but you know, there's probably just, you know, like maybe she just had like a bum leg for like three weeks or whatever. Yeah, we were we were applying for that like deeper meaning, like mm, what does the crime box mean? It's, it means she had knee surgery. Oh, okay. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> oh. like the that was like the coroner from CSI, like he's a double amputee, like yeah. he, uh, in real life, and he's like the head of like he's like the head of like one of the actor unions. Oh, the yeah, 
which one is the one for TV actors? Because SAG, there's SAG and AFTRA, and I forget. Yeah. yeah. Well, then there's a just SAG AFTRA. <laughs> oh, I thought those were two separate unions that had like a common council. They, yeah, yeah, they kind of like are combined together now. Oh, okay. But, but after is like, what was that recording artist or something? I, I don't I can't know. Remember. I thought, yeah, it's all kind of merged up. <laughs> Because, like, technically, like, all the big labor, like, the one I'm a part of, it, it's all part of, like, what they call the AFL-CIO, which is the okay. American Federation of Labor and uh, Congress of Industrial something. But, we, yeah, we all do things separately, even though, like, we're supposed to be in tandem with the steel workers and the machinists and all that. We just It's so spread out now. Because it used to be it was like France, where when if the truck drivers went on strike, then the auto workers went on strike, too, in sympathy with the truck drivers and... You know, you shut the whole country down. We don't do that anymore, though. <laughs> that would affect uh, too much. I think uh, we should, no. but we don't. <laughs> uh, they make one because uh, there was a party that everyone was at. And it was at, at Galatois. Uh, and I looked it up, and it's a real restaurant in New Orleans. So it's oh, okay. Real, so. And then I wrote, here again, I wrote down name, Petty Officer Jake Dern. Oh, and the, the and the, the 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 lady saying the devil did it, like at the end of me, Neville did this, and that Neville was like the guy. Uh, who she put away but in this case it's, it's his son so <laughs> it's a different neville uh this time that like when they raid a house they just say ncis they don't back it up with federal agent yeah uh there's an irobot poster <laughs> i don't i don't know if it has meaning or just that was what they had laying around the the sound stage or something <laughs> yeah i was waiting around for that to mean something it's like oh what's that gonna tie in it's like oh it isn't it's like, are they going to have a bomb robot in this episode? Because <laughs> you never know where these are going to go. But they always end up being local. Like, they hint at, like, a larger universe, but they yeah, never yeah. really get into it. Which, I don't know, because we haven't watched the other NCISs. That might be a thing they do in the other NCISs. Like, everything leads to a larger conspiracy, and then they don't do anything with it. It makes people disappointed. So here they're doing the opposite to see how... <laughs> how people handle it yeah well i mean with the yeah because it's kind of it's always ominous because it involves the military and that's like global so it's like whoa yeah. are they going to stumble onto something and you know stop something but you know it's never it's always like petty it's it's either money or sex or <laughs> it's never like anything elaborate or corporate yeah. greed well yeah but we'll we got see close that, there was that one episode where the guy was selling secrets but then like everybody's dead by the end of the episode so it doesn't matter yeah their secrets go to the grave up. with them yep. <laughs> well it should be they should have a show where it's just like some massive like government conspiracy slash like fraud thing going on and they find it and they're just like what we can't do with this and then the episode ends or whatever just, <laughs> just they whistle and walk off the screen just something like that. Be realistic oh. to the situation. Because, like, if, if somebody was like, NCIS, coming in, it's like, with half the population besides the TV show, like, know what the f*** that was. Like, what the f*** NCIS? Did you order a pizza? Like, yeah. I, th I believe that's why they always, in most of the raid scenes where they take a house, they always pair up them saying NCIS with uh, federal agents. Yeah. So that, uh, it's like, oh, that's what they are. But also, like the people they're chasing after are usually military members, so they, you know, they might know what NCIS is. Well, yeah, that they should know what it is. But I'm just talking about like non-service, I mean, service families, I guess, maybe, or service individuals. But I mean, it just seems like something where somebody should be getting handcuffed on the floor. Like I thought it was 30 minutes, where it's three, man. Like, I, 
It's like, once again, we're not a pizza chain. We have guns and we have like tactical vests and the SUV outside with lights and all this. It's like, you think we're doing that freaking pizza delivery? Yeah, man, I think that's what you're doing. It's a coincidence, man. You're right in my house and I ordered a pizza. (laughs) Yeah, it could be. uh, Or or that you'd you'd go then and some guy would be like, What alphabet soup organization are you scamming my tax money with now? You know, (laughs) how many FBIs do we need? (laughs) Which is actually kind of a good point, but um, has nothing to do with the show. Our second show is The Mentalist, season one's episode six, Red Handed. Original air date, November 11th, 2008, CBS Tuesday. The severed hand of a hotel casino owner is found on the California-Nevada state line. While a CBI suspects it's a mob hit, Patrick uses the opportunity to win big by counting cards. Showrunner Bruno Heller, written by Bruno Heller, Erica Greenswaffer, and Ken Woodruff, directed by Chris Law. This, 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 medicine, this episode opened interesting. It's just a bunch of people standing on a freeway. <laughs> With a severed yeah, hand like, at the California Nevada line, yeah, that, like the waiting for like la, for like the tech guys to figure out like whose jurisdiction this is. <laughs> yeah, because presu- presumably, if it's not CBI's jurisdiction, like they they would just leave. <laughs> it's yeah. like all right, it's Nevada's problem, but then they put it on the the California state line, and and so it, now it's their problem. But they just go to Nevada anyways. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of the first episodes I've seen that doesn't take place in California, which is, it, was, it wasn't a bad episode. I mean, I knew that like, oh, Jane's I, just going to shine in this casino. He's just going to swindle everyone. And, and that <laughs> happened. I mean, I called it before, I, but yeah. I'd say this is probably my favorite episode so far, just because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, th- I think the, the first episode is probably the, the best, but that's just because like, it does a good jo- job of introducing the character, but like as a whole and the mystery in the, the first episode is kind of like split because like it wraps up things very quickly in the first episode. I think, I don't know, because the, the biggest problem with this episode is just purely motive. Like, like it seems like, why did you do that? Like that seems a rather complicated way of accomplishing things. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, well, again, it opens a lot of things. Um, it's like, Oh, what is this going to mean? And it's like the, the 43 written on the hand and, yeah. It's like, oh, these are all symbols and clues. What is what kind of seven rabbit hole are we gonna go down? It's like, no, actually not. But or, or does it involve the mob? You know, that's interesting. Yeah. Um And there's a the fun bit where they're just looking at the hand and nobody is like, Well, it's just a hand, we can't tell anything. And then like of course Jane does his thing where he basically guesses everything about the guy by just by looking at the hand and picking out details and making assumptions, but like you know that's his gift that's what he does yeah. he's a good guesser <laughs> but yeah like oh yeah there's another bet another uh you know cho bets him 35 cents of whether he's right or wrong yeah <laughs> that's just a funny specific it's just the chain that cho has in his, his pocket uh but there's also this is the second bet they they've made like during a case and it's always inappropriate but you know i guess it's fun for the show so well, they said in Nevada you can bet on the origin of a decapitated body part, but not in California because <laughs> that was the. Uh, oh yeah, and this is of course another Jane staple is that he 
they go to the house of the person who was murdered and he's just looking at family photos and making wide deductions about everything that's going on. It's basically when he goes into, when he looks at family photos, he essentially solves the crime, but nobody knows it yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what always happens, but it's fine. And here we meet what the, we have the, the wife, the daughter and the daughter's husband. Yes. The, then, like, the, the husband's name was Daniel uh, Cardaria. Uh, the wife's name was Je- or the the daughter's name was Jessica, and uh, the hu- wife's name was Anne. Of the man whose hand was cut off. I wrote down the big the whale. The, remember the guy who's the guy's name? The guy's uh, hand cut off. Oh, that was Jim Meyer. Jim Meyer. Okay. Yeah. No, the whale was the guy I called. Uh, what did I write down? Oh yeah, it's Cal, Cal Trask. Trask was the poor yeah. man's James Con. Yeah, because yeah. he kind of looked and tried to act like James Conn, I think, or maybe he just always acts that way. I don't know this guy, yeah. but it's well, like, well, I th- well, he was in Body Double. That's what I said about him. Oh, okay. Because um, that guy is like essentially ages ageless. Because like Body Double is nineteen eighty four. This is two thousand seven. So it's like when I worked it out for uh, twenty three years in between. Uh, and the dude looks, he probably looks younger because, like, I could, he was like slightly balding in 1984 and he must have got like hair plugs or something. So now he looks probably younger than he did 23 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that guy's in, in tons of stuff. But yeah, here is a, I think you know, because he always, he's always kind of like a creepy guy. You just immediately suspect him. But like, yeah. That, that's kind of like their misdirect. It's like, oh, well, this is going to be the guy because. But he was involved in something it. awful. Because uh, Dan- oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, Daniel lost a staked a night of sex with his wife in a card game, and then his <laughs> wife dutifully showed up and dutifully showed up and had sex with this guy. It's like, oh, who the who does that yeah. and who accepts that bet? I'd be like, well, just and, sit and- in my room and drink some champagne. We're not really going to do that, but we'll <laughs> say we did it just to get the rumor going. Yeah. And Cal also like you know respected Daniel for that. It's like, I mean, that's horrible, but like. Man, he he didn't welch on his bed. <laughs> yeah, like he knows how to keep a woman in line or something. He made some <laughs> yeah. comment like that. Like, wow, that's dark. Uh, also, you have Jane counting cards <laughs> uh, and immediately getting in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you win $200,000 playing blackjack in an hour, it's like, oh, something's not right here. <laughs> and they accuse him of cheating and start taking him away. And he's like... Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I'm not the one that's cheating. She's cheating, and like that was a fun little thing. Because like, if you don't know anything about the mentalist, uh, Patrick Jane character is basically a, a a starts out as a con artist medium, who like made a ton of money by by conning people by pretending to talk to like you know spirits from the other side, uh, and then he is his. Uh, but he does help people on cases, but like it was always under the guise of like. Uh, of this of this medium psychic thing. power yeah yeah when he's really just using he's just clever deduction uh and then he pisses off a serial killer who kills his family and so now he is devoted to solving crimes with the cbi but he completely like kind of denounces his whole like medium psychic stuff uh and it's like, and, uh, and and even though he like in the show like he kind of works his magic and everybody sees it as like or some people see it as like something like always oh, talking to the other side or whatever. He he knows something. He's like, no, it's just a, it's just a good guess. 
<laughs> it just has incredible powers of Sherlock Holmes like observational skills, yeah. which would seem like magic to everyone else. Um, and yeah, when Jim Meyer is killed, now he has a lucky hundred thousand dollar casino chip around his neck as a as a necklace. And I said, that's going to come up as a stake in the game later or in a game later. When I heard them say that is like, that's going to be used as a stake in a game. And it was, and I called it the most obvious stake ever waiting to happen (laughs) because I write this stuff down as I'm watching the show. And then I'll like draw lines together. Like, yes, I guessed it. I'm a genius. I'm just, I'm just like Jane. (laughs) If only I had like third person omniscient like presence in real life, I could figure everything out. Oh, I think, yeah, Jane gives us a, a backstory about him like growing up in a in like a carnival or something. He gives some backstory about like growing up like a, like with carnies or something. They're like always on the move. And I just wrote down, is his family story true? Because I, I wonder if we'll ever get like the true backstory out of him or if he's just always giving false. Yeah, I, I wrote that down past. too, but I wrote next to it misdirect question mark. Because it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, this guy never, he, his relationship with the truth, even as a reformed con man, is so loose. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, I don't know which way this is going to go, but yeah, this could be something or not. I also like the bit where like he wins a bunch of money at the casino and then he just like uses the casino's money to buy stuff at the casino so he gets like these elaborate gifts uh for both lisbon and van pelt and it's like necklaces and i like chose like well where's our gift he's like why it's like well if you just got it for the women that'd seem weird yeah (laughs) and of course he produces like a couple like gaudy like rolex type watches with a bunch of jewelry on rolexes that like like you know uh, mobsters would wear like really yeah, yeah. bad stuff and they're like great you know yeah like like rigsby is stoked and then cho is like this is the ugliest thing i've ever seen it's like do you want to return it he's like god no <laughs> and then yeah. later on lisbon gives her jewelry back yeah she's like i can't accept this and then van pelt's like yeah okay i can't accept this either but Cho and Rigsby are like, yeah, we're not giving ours back. I don't care. <laughs> These watches are worth like $50,000. I can sell this. Medjool sounds like a better show than NCIS so far. Almost kind of yeah. sounds like Sneaky Pete in a way that I usually watch on Amazon. For the first. Except it's not the whole like grounded in one area the whole time. I mean, actually, like, uh, actually, the mentalist can be compared to a lot of different shows. Like I think something that precedes this is psych, obviously, which that's also about like a guy who says he's a psychic, but he's just really about deduction. But that's a comedy um, crime show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even you could compare it to. Um, do you remember the name of the show where it's the guy who writes like murder fiction, and then he gets like he's like a consultant oh, for the like. Yeah, Castle. Yeah, yeah it's the one for the guy from. Uh... Nathan Firefly. Fillion, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen um, that, but yeah. Uh, I mean, essentially just murder she wrote, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I think th- I think this show precedes uh, Castle, but... But yeah, but I think Mentalist uh, is, is very good at what it does. Uh, we kind of, like, have a sneaking suspicion that the Mentalist is going to have, like, a bit more something to say than just kind of being, like, a... Like, a, a, a charming... Uh, 
crime show <laughs> every one week. And sometimes there are nuggets of like, maybe this does have something more to say. And sometimes it's just a, an entertaining uh, a crime show. But it is, yeah, so far it's the, uh, but yeah, if you compare NCIS to this, if you compare it to Miami Vice, like Mentalist doesn't have like the cultural cachet, but I think as a crime show, it's better than Miami Vice, but Miami Vice isn't really necessarily about the solving crime. It's more about the high drama of what happens around crime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the guy who, he's like the security guy. They go to his house, and that's where they find the body in the refrigerator, so that's uh, you have two uh, two refrigerator bodies <laughs> in a row. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then um, Jane ends up getting who's the, the husband? Oh, Daniel. Yeah, Daniel and him are trying to uh, get a bunch of money from Cal Trask, who is the whale that the because that's what Daniel does is he's like a he gambles with the casino's money to basically win money away from rich people. That's like his job, but he's always goes too far. He's <laughs> basically yeah they keep calling him a degenerate gambler. But he's like no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just on a losing streak. And ends up killing people for it. yeah. So D- Daniel ends up being the the murderer, of course. But <laughs> um, but they do have like a cool game at the end. Um, and then also Jane, Jane has this cool thing where like he uses he puts like a an ice chip under a cup to cause a distraction where he like ends up cheating like the yeah. full. So he how can he switch deals the hand. Yeah, he can switch the decks to where he knows what order they're in from his <laughs> his memory castle in his mind or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mind Palace. Mind Palace, yeah. Um, so basically, he gives everybody a good hand, or it's just Daniel. He gives them a good hand, like four aces or something, or four kings, but like uh, Jane has a flush. And I think the, 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 um, the episode name is Red Handed. And what's Jane have at the end? A red hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, 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 a heart flush or whatever. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a. Uh, the guy antes up that hundred thousand dollar chip, um, and then that's basically the clue. It's like, all right, you can arrest him now. <laughs> that's the chip we've been looking for. And then he immediately um, confesses, like as soon as they take him in, and it's like all you got to do is say lawyer. But you know, again, TV writing it doesn't doesn't change. Yeah. Got to wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to keep going. Keep on with this one. It's not going to be you a see season long procedural. Yeah, Jane wins like like half a million dollars or something like that, and he just like throws it in like a donation box. <laughs> well, that's what he does with the first amount of money he wins. With the money he wins at this poker game, he gives it to the dealer that was cheating to buy his mom to buy her mom a new. Oh, whatever. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like a, a statement on like the American medical system. Like it's better <laughs> to cheat and lie to pay for medicine than you know. God forbid we didn't have to drag drive people to this yeah so far i think that that was my favorite episode just because it was fun yeah i think well they're definitely finding their feet yeah yeah they're not they're not trying to uh you know it's like oh we got to introduce a bunch more new stuff it's like no we're just going to gradually now we have our third show miami Miami vice Vice. season one episode six one eyed jag original air date november 2nd 1984 nbc friday crockett attempts to help an old flame free herself from a racketeer then is framed for, for taking bribes. Martin Castillo becomes the squad's new lieutenant. Showrunner Michael Mann, Anthony, written by Anthony Yurkovich, Alfonso Ruggiero, Joel Sunro, directed by L. Lee H. Katzen. Yeah, because this is the one with the uh, the gamblers, right? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I got confused. It happens. Uh, I, I, yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, because this is where this is where um, Castillo shows up. Who's uh, <laughs> I just forgot the actor's name. Oh, um, plays it? Edward James Almost. Yeah, Edward James Almost. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting uh, take on his character. Where he's like very quiet but incredibly intense. <laughs> yeah, he's just a scary like he's not man. Fucking, but he like it's like the it's kind of the total opposite of the usual lieutenants where they're just they're always yelling. It's like you blow up half a downtown, <laughs> crack him. How are we gonna pay for this? Like Castillo, dead silence. And he just looks at you. <laughs> it's like you know what you did. Yeah, well, um, you'll find out as the series goes on because I, I you know Miami Vice I know in advance. He was like a DEA agent who worked with the CIA. Uh, you know, and doing drug enforcement stuff. So Castillo has a very mysterious background, but when it comes to like this greater darkness that we'll see that always comes into Miami Vice, he seems to know exactly, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, this is the government trying to horn in. And, you know, this is like multidimensional. The reason they're not doing this is because of that. And so, yeah, and it gets more ridiculous as it goes on because pretty soon it's like, oh, is this the guy run the CIA or something? <laughs> but, yeah, that's Miami Vice always jumps the shark, so, which is why it's cool. But here they, they have a gambling stakeout where they're, they're staking out from the boat, right? Yeah. I got that. Okay. Uh, here I have written Barbara Caro. That's uh, his old flame who's a gambling addict. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was right here a comedy fight where they have like the one big guy that both Crockett and Tubbs are trying to take down, but it just like they can't do it because the guy's just too big. And they have a really like like cool and bad, but they do this. They were like all three of them tumble down a flight of stairs. Like, yeah. God, that must suck. Yeah, that must be a I mean, day to be a stuntman. Yeah, I mean the chair, the the stairs were probably padded, and they probably had padding underneath those coats, but still like. Man, three guys like got to be at least nine hundred pounds falling down that stair. Well, not nine hundred, but you know, six hundred pounds falling down that stair. Yeah, yeah. Then you have Crockett threatens a loan shark because they, Boy, they take. Decision. Yeah, <laughs> well, they uh, Barbara's husband. They 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 took like all of his tools from his shop as like collateral, and it's still and she still owes money. And so, like, you know, Crockett's like, hey, put the tools back, and then, like, everything will be fine. But then, like, the guy's like, yeah, we already sold those tools, and then he, like, hands them cash. And then, like, of course, like, the um, internal investigation shows up or whatever and, like, arrests Crockett. Yeah. Uh, he's a dirty cop, uh, which is like a... And the guy who ever... played it, the guy who played the internal affairs guy, his name's Dan Hedea. You've seen him in everything. Yeah, he's been in hundreds of things. And uh, he's always I the most, same guy. <laughs> but yeah. he's been in hundreds of shows. I I recognize him as mostly as the sweaty boss from Joe versus the Volcano. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> most people would regret but, that. Yeah, but yeah, he's literally been in well, I guess not literally. He's but he's literally been in hundreds of things and you've had to have seen this guy. Yeah. Uh, and here you have a young version of him, but he still looks like he's 40 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Just got one of those faces. And what, what I, I can't remember his name. It's like, uh, is it Schroeder or is it Schrodinger? Are we going full Schrodinger cat or is it just Schroeder? Schroeder, I, I think, is, is his name. Okay, okay. Yeah, let me look at it. Okay, yeah, Schroeder. <laughs> okay, okay. 
I was like, what what leap can I make there? It's like, what does this mean? Uh, it's just Schroeder. Okay, yeah. Oh, and Dennis Farina shows up. He's yeah. uh Michael Mann uses him a lot. Uh Dennis Farina, you've probably seen him in literally hundreds of things. A guy who got a start in the business being a technical advisor for Michael Mann on Thief, and then threw him in Thief as an actor, and then he became an actor. <laughs> he was a literal Chicago police police officer. Yeah, he's like a real cop. Yeah, um, real cop. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he plays in Thief. He's like a mob guy, and here he's a mob guy. So he's a lot of mob guy stuff for being a cop. So. Yeah, well, he knows. All right, or maybe that's the clue. It was like, what's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was a technical advisor for Thief, and in Thief, the cops are also are so mob. Yeah. Like they're just production money for the mob guys. It's like, hey, if you want to work in Los Angeles, you got to give us a taste. I think the thief goes from Los Angeles to Chicago, right? Because they I think they so. rob a place in Los oh, Angeles. Oh no, it's it's based in Chicago, but they go to Los Angeles to rob places. Yeah, because yeah. they did or to rob that one the super bank. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, because they didn't want to do a job that big in Chicago. And here you get the we call it the Schroeder calls Crockett One Eyed Jack. He's like he's only sees the side of a face we want him to see. So that's where the show's title comes from. So yeah. Um, yeah, two gambling shows in a row. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you so can't. We got, we got, you can't just have always. It can't always be drug dealers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's mostly. Well, that's the the you know the first episode's drug dealers. Second episode's porn. Then it goes back to drug dealers. Uh, and this, but yeah, now we're doing gambling as the other vice. So but who knows? You know, anything can be a vice, I guess, if it's illegal. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, uh, Crockett's almost constantly being. Uh, internal affairs is a constant presence in his life on this show. <laughs> Usually not for being corrupt, but just for like, why are all these people dead? Like we, we need <laughs> answers to, to why all, all, and it's Edward James almost doing a rear guard action the whole time. Um, it's like, you just can't shoot everyone, Sonny, but they're shooting at me. <laughs> yeah, Tubbs goes undercover again and he knows Italian. So that was kind of nice. Like just Tubbs just knows the languages. Yeah. I feel like Tubbs, I feel like Tubbs kind of gets the. Uh, I, was, I was I was thinking about the Miami Vice movie and how like that movie should probably. Should, I, I I basically forgotten it. I I heard there's a thing like if you get the director's cut of the Miami Vice movie, that it's actually like worth watching. But I, I just haven't bothered to go back to that yet. I thought the movie was fine, but uh, <laughs> it's forgettable. You mean the it's one, like a lot of cool cinematography? You mean the, the, the 2006 one? one? Oh yeah, it had great shootouts and a great look to it, but it's like made no yeah. sense. It's like okay. Yeah, yeah. But I hear there's like a director's cut that has like almost an hour of stuff. So, but that makes it better or something. But I haven't watched it anyways. But I was thinking about like how with that, like maybe the problem with that was that Jamie Foxx was too big of a star to be like second fiddle to Colin Farrell. <laughs> and he should have switched her around. And then I was thinking about like how in the TV show, like even though Tubbs is like a main character, we really don't know a whole lot about him other than like he was a Chicago cop or he was a New York cop. His brother was a New York cop who gets killed. But like we don't see we don't see Tubbs' house. We don't see like who he dates or anything like that. We only see Tubbs like on the job. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be like a multi-talented jack of all trades uh, kind yeah. of guy. It's like he's always your undercover guy. He's almost always your. Um, yeah, he seems to be like, and it's weird. Like in ter- he's a New York cop. But in terms yeah. of the culture of Miami, oh, he fits right in with all, like, <laughs> if you need someone to be um, from uh, Jamaica, 
or, or Italy or, you know, or it's like he can fit into all those groups. Um, but think about him being Italian. It was, there was a funny line with him and Dennis Farina. It's cause they were speaking Italian, you know, just to test each other out. It's like, what part of Italy are you from? He goes, Oh, the Southern part, you know, way down South, like in Africa. And they just laugh about <laughs> it. And then that's it. It's like, okay, that is good. <laughs> Ah, he's a good guy. <laughs> he's, he's one of us. He's a criminal. Uh, that's all that matters. Uh, was, oh yeah, that's because that's also like when he's pinning the the stuff on the other guy because uh, he uses his own money to get like the. Oh no, I guess that's later on. Because uh, like I have here weird cockfight. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just, like I thought cockfight is like you just let the chickens at each other, and here you just have two guys holding chickens. At each other. Yep. <laughs> it's like, is that how this crap works? Yeah, that's how they, that is how they get them agitated. Okay. Because if you just throw they them in a pen have... together, half the time they'll just peck at the ground. You know, but then you get, you, yeah, you wait. I'm, I'm guessing for the feet. show, you can't actually like have two chickens kill each other. So Probably like, not. So. That's a little brutal. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's when they make. Oh yeah, that guy is weird. Where they have, they're getting the protection money from that guy, like. And like he takes him out back and Tubbs is talking to him like away from the other guy and he's like I'm gonna cover you uh and then he's like blink if you can hear me and the guy doesn't do anything <laughs> yeah it's like this is weird like did they get like a real guy and just tell him like don't emote like we got you covered <laughs> uh we just need your weird face yeah I think he was he seemed like a pretty one-dimensional character he's just like the the hitman for the heavy, you know, it's kind of like, ah, oh, okay, we don't need to. Can you say a few lines and just look menacing? <laughs> Anyways, like uh, Tubbs covers him because apparently the guy is like trying to take too much money from the the cockfight stuff they have here. Um, and so he covers him because he's like, he, he covers him like for four grand, but then he ends up telling Dennis Faria that they got six grand, and then he like implicates that the other guy skim two grand off the thing and so now that guy is like on the outs with dennis farina's character and then i just have here like the top rich guys don't serve time like i can't remember it's like a shoot shoot out in the boat for some reason i can't remember the Nathan, can you recall the last like 10 minutes of this episode because i forget oh well yeah because they uh he murders the guy on the boat when he finds a wire on him yeah and then there's uh there's some kind of extended uh shootout but yeah, the Dennis Farina guy essentially like bails out and doesn't appear in the series for another four years because he's hiding out in Italy. <laughs> so that's what ha I don't know if if that's uh, spelled out exactly, but I know that's the because this character, um, oh Al Lombard comes back in in like four years, oh, yeah. but um, he was uh, yeah I think he just skipped bail and left the country. Yeah, because um, he was a much bigger crime figure than the show made him out to, or at least they they like Dennis Farina. It's like let's find a way to bring him back. So yeah, that was uh, that was Miami Vice. But you have a lot of people like that's kind of a recurring theme, and like out of six episodes, like three episodes, they catch people and they're immediately released because judges or whatever. Yeah, well, <laughs> and money. You got to remember, Miami is built on a foundation of cocaine. I mean, that's. <laughs> if you're involved in the cocaine trade in Miami at this time, probably even in the present, but especially at the time this show in the mid eighties, uh, it's like, yeah, you have a friend everywhere <laughs> because you're literally responsible for that city existing. So. Anyway. So, uh, if you've liked what you've heard, 
and how couldn't you <laughs> you can support us <laughs> you can support us at uh anchor uh anchor dot fm slash verhoven effect the way i like to remember to spell verhoven is is verho v-e-r-h-o and then even at the end there and then throw an effect you, you can also just go to verhovenEffect.com. it'll it'll transfer you to the same place but it might if you're using google it might tell you to like hey hey this is weird do you want to send it anyways you send it. it's totally safe so uh <laughs> just go into the same place um we have listener support uh, at a monthly stipend you can support us at the 99 cents level the 4.99 cent level or the 990 uh $9.99 level uh, and that's taken out monthly uh there's also a voicemail thing there i haven't even tried it yet <laughs> it supposedly works uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways for the verhoven effect this is Colin. this is nathan yeah. goodbye america <laughs>